Welcome to Flunking the Written, a fully spoiled Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast in which two uber fans break down every episode of the show. Join Kimberly and Megan every other Tuesday as they overanalyze each scene and discuss the Buffyverse at large. Now let's meet up with the Scoobies and get into this episode of Flunking the Written. What can I say? I flunked the written. Kim, we are about to get into our discussion of Homecoming, written and directed by David Greenwalt, and the DVD blurb is, as Buffy and Cordelia vie for the Homecoming Queen title, they are targeted by a group of killers preparing for Slayer Fest 98. I had to put that emphasis on there. It was very important to me. Well, that just gave away everything, didn't it? (laughs) So upon watching this episode, it occurred to me that this is about as stereotypical 90s teen drama as Buffy gets. I agree. Yeah, it's it's very, very high school. Yeah. (laughs) Which is funny because Buffy is like a high school show. Obviously, the first three seasons are set in high school and that was the pitch. But... This, this episode really, like, as I was watching this, it's like, oh, man. This episode just, it just feels more dated than a lot of Buffy does, mm-hmm. I think, because of that. So we start at the bronze with our gang, um, talking about the homecoming dance coming up and whether or not they should get a limo. And uh, this is the first of five songs that play throughout the course of this episode. This is Fell Into Loneliness by Lori Carson. <laughs> It's very music heavy. It is very music heavy, which I mean, it's it's centered around a dance, so I guess that makes sense. But also, uh, five songs, <laughs> and yeah, they're they're kind of going back and forth about whether or not it's worth it to invest in a private limo. And they said if they split the cost, that they could make it work. And Buffy's like, yeah, well, if I go at all, and then. Willow's very uh, concerned that, you know, maybe, you know, Scott didn't ask her just as Scott enters. And (laughs) she tries to cover it up in, like, pure Willow fashion. And then Cordelia does pure Cordelia fashion. Yeah, which solves the problem. (laughs) Scott asks Buffy to go to homecoming. Um, He says he didn't because he didn't think she would enjoy it. And they go back and forth about, if you do, if you do, if you do, and then finally decide they're going. Actually, I think Oz decides that they're going. <laughs> yeah, Oz kind of decides it for them. <laughs> Which seems weird without actually watching the scene where Oz is the one that's just like, all right, you two are going to homecoming, because it seems very out of character for Oz. But like in the scene, it works. It makes sense. <laughs> So immediately after deciding to go to the dance, Buffy decides to leave Scott and go see Angel instead. Yes, which, to be fair, she's always leaving Scott. <laughs> like it, it seems like she's constantly, as soon as he shows up, she leaves. <laughs> we cut to her with Angel, going in to see Angel. And Angel is, like, better now. Like, he doesn't really talk a lot and... Everything, but he's he's not beast-like. Mm-hmm. He's not feral. He's in control. And he's, like, so in control and normal that it almost feels like something got skipped. Yeah. Because I remember the very first time I saw this episode thinking, wait, did I miss one? Because there wasn't really any go-between bet- of feral, wild, animal, angel, and then this. 
Yeah, I always thought that the recovery of Angel happened way too fast because, like, just the way that they describe it and how long he was there and the types of torture that he experienced, it I don't feel like you would just bounce back from that quite the way that Angel was able to bounce back from that. Um, I've actually got in my notes that it seems like he kind of skipped some steps in his rehab. Mm-hmm. It is interesting. A um, couple of notes that I have is that Angel is, like, shivering in this which is which is interesting because you know you you often think of shivering as like a cold response but vampires don't really have that so i i just kind of was just like is this just like a kind of a a remnant like a a human response that that exists within vampires to 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 shiver like that it's it's like a defense mechanism almost instead of anything to help with heat but he's mm-hmm. just sitting there like shivering and it stood out to me so much because it didn't really make sense from a vampire lore perspective. But this idea of there's certain mannerisms that vampires retain from being a human and the idea of that being one of them as like a it's almost like treated as a withdrawal shiver more than mm-hmm. a cold shiver. Like he's suffering from withdrawals. Yeah. Well, and the the keeping mannerisms, I mean, we've never seen this in Buffy or they've never talked about it in Buffy canon. But like most vampire universes, they there's some kind of mention of them practicing trying to act human. Mm-hmm. That That's something that the vampires in Buffy don't really ever try to do, though. But in most, they try to, there's times they try to act human and pass among humans unnoticed and stuff. Mm-hmm. But Buffy kind of tells him that Giles and the others don't know he's back, which I still don't understand. Because, <laughs> I mean, all she has to do is tell them. It's not like they're going to like go try to kill him or anything. Um, but they wouldn't understand. They wouldn't understand that he's better. <laughs> yes, but they would. Like, there's no reason that they wouldn't. They they weren't involved in the discussions of, you know, re-insoling Angel. They have no idea that that was even a possibility, Kim. It's right. totally <laughs> madness um, to think that they would prom- understand. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she promises she's going to keep helping him get better. But it's not going to be like it was before because... She has a boyfriend, at which point Angel, like, jerks real (laughs) sudden. Um, And she kind of backs up, and she's like, his name is Scott. He makes me happy. I can count on him. And then we immediately cut to a scene of Buffy and Scott standing outside the school, and he breaks up with her. Yep. (laughs) Which... He explains that he's breaking up with her because before they started dating, she was a force of nature and so full of life. And now she's distracted and not herself. And, um, well, he just doesn't want that, apparently. (laughs) Which I find really strange because in the last episode, he is two best friends since childhood. Both got, both died. One Mm -hmm. of them got, or actually, technically, they both got murdered. So you would think he would, like, I would assume that he would become very clingy. <laughs> like, don't leave me. Don't leave me in a room by myself. Yeah. <laughs> clingy for a while. Instead, he breaks up with her. Yeah, he's just, I mean, he's just back to happy-go-lucky, like, every man Scott. Like, just, yeah. <laughs> his, yeah, well, like, it doesn't even bother him anymore that his, his best friends <laughs> just, they're gone. Yeah. And he's like. 
Maybe but, there was I mean, like you know, a crazy maybe there was a crazy significant time jump between these two episodes and that's why that explains away the angel thing and the Scott thing. It seems like there should have been. We should look at air dates. It's been like see. five months. <laughs> yeah. And then we see a really long lens shot, like someone spying on Buffy. And I'm gonna stop right here and say that this there is very there's not really anything in the script book that was cut out of the episode, but everything is moved around. Oh, like, okay. Then we see a van and a pair of binoculars, and there's two uh, very stereotyped uh, hitmen for hire type guys, mm-hmm. and they are in a van full of surveillance equipment. And we cut to a mansion. And there is an old man whose name in the script is literally Old Man. No. Um, sitting at a desk in a wheelchair and is uh, looking at what they are recording in the van. And he says, is that her? And then Mr. Trick comes back. Yay, I love Mr. And Trick. And says, that's the target. <laughs> now, first, though, he says... In the nubile flesh. And man, is that a sentence that I don't like to listen to. (laughs) Yeah, I skipped that. Nubile is one of those words. Like, some people, like, really can't stand moist. Nubile is my moist. Like, when I hear that word, I'm just like, ugh, no. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, moist doesn't bother me. And nubile doesn't bother me. The one that bothers me is the word pubic. Ah. (laughs) That one, I'm just like, ugh. I don't like that. (laughs) Okay, so then we go to the opening credits, and from there, we go to Sunnydale City Hall. And we have the uh, deputy mayor, Alan Finch, who will be very important later, hanging out, waiting patiently, very nervous man, um, and is told that the mayor will see him now. And this is where we meet the mayor. (laughs) Who is creepy from the (laughs) get-go. Like, just from the very beginning is, like, I I don't really want to be around that guy oh man and it's it's a wonderful balance of like just the subtlety in which he plays it the 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 fact that it's not it's not overbearing it's not outright threatening or over the top scary it's just like an uncomfortably creepy pleasant individual who this deputy mayor is inexplicably like terrified of (laughs) And you're just like, oh, this is uncomfortable. I don't like this at all. (laughs) Yeah, and I noticed something that I have not realized in all the times that I have watched through this show. And I must have, you know, this is season three, so I've seen it. It's still near the beginning, so I've seen it more than a lot of the others. Mm -hmm. I have never, ever, ever realized about him smelling the paper. Mm. I always thought it was just kind of uh, just like a weird, quirky thing he did. This time I realized he is smelling the deputy mayor's hands on the paper because they were dirty. Mm -hmm. And that's why he starts asking about washing his hands. Yeah, super creepy. (laughs) Right. But I mean, did you know that or realize that's what was happening? Uh, Because I didn't until this, this, this watching. So, like, this watching, I put that together. I'm not sure if I've put that together before or not. But I'll, I, I have, have not watched season three um, 
in years and years and years. So, like, I don't actually, like, this is kind of a fresh watch. This is probably one of my fresher watches. Because uh, I haven't see, watched season three in a long time. Season three is my favorite season. So, it is, I mean... It's the one I think that I've seen a lot more of, Mm -hmm. especially some of the episodes in it. So, but yeah, that never, it never occurred to me that he was sniffing the paper because he has such a, a, I guess, demon-like sense of smell Mm -hmm. that he could smell the deputy mayor's dirty hands on it. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. and so this is our first uh, inkling that, that the mayor is kind of a germ freak. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I love his his little speech. After every meal and under your fingernails, dirt gets trapped there, and germs, and mayonnaise. My dear mother said, cleanliness is next to godliness, and I believed her. She never caught a cold. (laughs) It's a very appropriate, yet not over-the-top introduction. Like, if you go to, like, the introduction of glory, that's like a big big introduction it's a big build-up and then you have her and it's just like oh wow this is and then this is like you could watch this episode and you've had all of these episodes building up like leading to the mystery of who's the mayor who's the mayor and then they actually show him for the first time you're like oh that's that's who the mayor is hi yeah (laughs) he's okay okay he's just like okay he's just a dude (laughs) (laughs) i mean he's kind of creepy obviously and, like, watching it with the full season in mind, I think you watch this scene differently. But, like, after the amount of times that that name drop has happened, and then this is his introduction, it's kind of shocking in a way that it's not the the predictable, like, over-the-top reveal of who it is, finally. It's just kind of mm-hmm. a casual business meeting. I mean, business meeting for Sunnydale standards. <laughs> And we still don't know a whole lot about the mayor yet. We mm-hmm. just know he's kind of a bad guy. Yeah. And he believes in cleanliness. So from there we go to the school with this adorable montage of all of our seniors getting their photos made for the yearbook. We got song number two. But this song is called Jody Foster by the Pinehurst Kids. And the amount of times that I've wanted to really? reverse that. <laughs> The Pinehurst Kids by Jodie Foster. Uh, yes, so many times. <laughs> <laughs> um, then Xander and Willow are walking across the room talking about what they're going to wear to homecoming. And they run into Cordelia. Yeah, I have a note on who, this. I have a note on this. Okay. I get what they're what they're setting up for later in the episode. But like, in what world would Xander be the one who Willow asked to help pick out her dress? <laughs> well... I mean, I guess if he thinks it looks sexy, then she's got a boy's opinion, maybe? maybe? I don't know. I don't know. But don't yeah, know. <laughs> I, I, I see exactly where you're coming from. You know, she could ask Buffy, she could ask Cordelia, but she asks Xander. Xander. <laughs> they uh, walk up to Cordelia, who's scoping out the competition. Because she is uh, running for homecoming queen and kind of makes a comment about one of her competitors being open to all mankind, which is a little slut shaming there. Mm-hmm. And then they start talking about where Buffy is because she's going to miss your book pictures. And she wasn't there the day they were announced. And uh, Cordelia decides she's going to tell her on the way to the nurse. <laughs> to which Xander's like, Oh, did you hurt yourself? And she's like, no, I got to get like an ice pack to like shrink my pores. And then there's this little moment 
where Seth Green plays this look that he gives Xander. Like, Oz just gives Xander this look of, yeah, duh. (laughs) And it's so precious. (laughs) Buffy and Faith are practicing, and uh, Faith makes a comment that guys should break up with her more often um, because she's got some quality rage going. (laughs) Um, Then they start talking, and they... Faith kind of talks Buffy into taking her to homecoming. Mm-hmm. But she's like, let's go together. You got the tickets. And Buffy's like, I don't know. And Faith's like, yeah, let's do it. So they decide that they're going to go to homecoming together. Yes. Our first little, like, lesbian undertones for Faith and Buffy. There will be much more later on. Don't worry about it. Right? There's so many. <laughs> so then Cordelia is walking up to the library, and she starts to go in to tell Buffy about the pictures. But then she sees some people. Some guys walk past her and she's like, oh, I miss you guys. And starts kind of flirting with them, trying to get their vote for homecoming. Okay, so I have to, what scene is next? Because next in my script book is the one from the mayor's office. Okay, next is when Buffy goes to her teacher. Yeah, see, and my one after the mayor's office is Willow in a slip trying on clothes in her room. So. (laughs) This is really out of order. (laughs) It it really is. Okay, so our next scene is kind of weird um, (laughs) that they put it in. I think it's just to establish that people in the school don't know who Buffy is. Mm -hmm. Um, Because she is talking to a teacher about getting a recommendation and claims that this teacher is her favorite teacher, even though we've never, like, seen or heard of this person Mm -hmm. before. And it's a teacher who has no idea who Buffy is. Yeah. And asked her if she was absent a lot and stuff. So, but, you know, I mean, Sunnydale's school is not so big. Like, it's not like a lecture hall. Uh-huh. It's You know, there's like 20 kids in each class. You would, you'd think the teacher would know who all of them are. And look, my mom was a teacher when I was growing up and then a principal. And I know for a fact they gossip about the students. Well, that's what like, I was going to say. This woman would totally know who a troublemaker like Buffy is. That's what I was going to say is that <laughs> Buffy is literally like the center of Snyder's universe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the principal all the of teachers- the school is so focused on Buffy, and yet the teachers don't yeah. know who she is? I don't buy that for one second. <laughs> oh, yeah. They would have had conversations about Buffy in the teacher's lounge. <laughs> Yeah, even if it's talking about how the principal's out to get her and stuff. I, I know that they would have. She, This teacher would know who she was. Yeah. But they put this in because, you know, they want to make sure that we, we get the idea that Buffy feels like no one knows who she is. Mm-hmm. We're in the cafeteria and we see a flyer for Cordelia. She's handing them out for Homecoming Queen. And Buffy is venting to Oz, Willow, and Xander about how her favorite teacher didn't remember her. And she talks about how at her old school, she was prom queen and fiesta queen and cheerleading squad, which the prom queen doesn't really make sense because she would have been like a freshman there. And I'm not sure how a freshman becomes prom queen, but okay. (laughs) She's just that good. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And she talks about how it's senior year and she's just going to be one crappy picture on a tiny piece of a page. And they're like, nope, you're not. Because you missed pictures, mm-hmm. which I don't know what school you can't just like retake the picture or like bring in your own picture yeah. or whatever. In your <laughs> if you're sick that day, you're screwed. <laughs> right? So then they, they're they like, Cordelia was supposed to tell you. So then Buffy finds Cordelia and it's like, 
Buffy, you look, Cordelia, like kind of, you look so adorable. And Buffy immediately says, I'm not voting for you. Which I think is strange because at this point, Buffy's not running for homecoming queen. Who else would she vote for? One of the other girls or just not vote at all. Probably that not vote at all. She absolutely has no idea who the other two girls are. Because like Cordelia has kind of become part of their group now. And like, even if Buffy's not her best friend, mm-hmm. you'd think she'd still like vote for her for homecoming queen. Just like, you know, this is one of my best friend's girlfriend. I'll do this for, you know? See, for me though, like this scene, like Cordelia just shines in it. Cause as soon as Buffy says that, she's like, okay, then make it snappy. <laughs> she's like, yeah. I, got, I got campaigning to do. <laughs> I agree. I just think it's weird that Buffy's like, I'm not. Well, like she's part of your group now. Even if you weren't going to bother to vote, why would you just say that? <laughs> But anyway, they uh, kind of get in an argument, and Cordelia doesn't really take responsibility for not telling Buffy about the pictures, and Buffy gets mad, and then um, decides she's going to run for homecoming, homecoming queen, mm-hmm. which is kind of a surprise. <laughs> I'm going to show you how it's done. I'm going to run for homecoming queen, and I'm going to win. This is starting to be sad. Sorry, Cordy. But you have no idea who you're messing with. What, this Slayer? I'm not talking about the Slayer. I'm talking about Buffy. You've awakened the prom queen within. And that crown is going to be mine. The Buffy Cordelia showdown begins. Yes. Oh boy. (laughs) So from there we go back to Trick's place. And he is laying out this big competition that he's organizing. And uh, we see some familiar faces amongst the participants. We got Lyle Gorch and his uh, new wife, uh, Candy. Is that her name? I think it's Candy. Candy, yes, it's Candy, which is a perfect name for her. Yeah, it's a good name. (laughs) And then we have the hitmen from before. We have a... uh, (laughs) How does, how does Mr. Trick put it? Whatever the hell you are, my brother, you got spiny-looking head things. I ain't never seen that before. I am Kulak of the Mequat clan. Isn't that nice? And then there's like a, a hunter, which is not the same person who showed up to hunt werewolves, but kind of like the same type. Yeah, kind of the same character, though not the same actor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, man. And yeah, so Mr. Trick has organized this whole thing. Apparently, they're taking bets on who who's going to take out the two slayers, because there's two slayers now, and that's that's fun. That's when you organize a big hunting party and make it a competition. And so they've got the, the bragging rights at stake, but also money at stake for this Slayer Fest 98. Slayer Fest 98, which very much dates the show. Yep. <laughs> very specifically dates the show. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. And um, I put a little note here that I feel like this is a better version of the Order of Taraka. Like, I feel like it's kind of the same thing that the Order of Taraka was, was like, let's just throw a bunch of different fun enemies at our main characters but the Order of Taraka didn't make sense because they were so built up as being like this super threatening force that was unstoppable. And mm-hmm. this is just like some slap together shenanigans. Let's go kill some Slayers. Woo! And it's like, this is so much better. 
<laughs> yeah. Now we're in Willow's bedroom, and there's like this partition type thing that she's changing behind. Mm-hmm. And she's trying on different outfits for Xander. And she's like, what do you think of this? What do you think of this? Which I guess they're for Oz. She's just having Xander give his opinion mm-hmm. on them. Um, and Willow uh, mentions that this is her first big dance where there's a boy in a band. Yeah. Xander mentions he borrowed the tux from his cousin. And Willow comes out with another outfit. And Xander says, nice. He's saying nice to all of them. Mm-hmm. Then Willow starts fixing Xander's bow tie, and they start remembering dances, paths, the eighth grade cotillion, and all kinds of stuff. And then Willow goes back to try on another outfit, and Xander starts asking some very personal things about how far her and Oz have gone. Mm-hmm. And Willow's like, none of your business, and then asks how far him and Cordelia have gone. And he basically says, you know, I'm not going to talk about it, too. And then... She comes out in a gorgeous black dress, and then Xander's in full tux, and they both, like, stare at each other. Mm -hmm. Xander said she's gorgeous, and she says, you too, in a guy way. And they talk about how lucky their significant others are, and then they start dancing. I will Um, interject here. Third song um, that's playing behind here is How by Lisa Loeb. And, um, yeah, it's just real nice and mellow, sitting the vibe. This is a very weird scene. <laughs> yeah. And I don't, we- I don't mind. Like, obviously, this whole affair is designed to, like, break some people up and cause some tension in the Scoobies and stuff like that. I don't even really mind this little affair that Xander and Willow have. But... The whole premise of this scene, of Xander being the one that Willow asks to help her pick out an outfit to impress Oz, of all people, who first, like, sparked interest in Willow when she was wearing an Eskimo outfit, I remind you. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It just seems like a lot of staging to cause this kiss to happen, and it just... I feel like they could have maybe done this a little bit more organically. <laughs> Not yeah, quite so obvious. There's so much but- already seated in here. Like, we know how Willow has felt about Xander for a while. But there's a lot showing how Xander has felt about Willow for a long time. Just his protective nature and any time that she has someone else in her life, he has a touch of jealousy. Like, there's there's enough there that we don't have to, like, create this incredibly, like, romantic, oh, they're in their uh, best, like, formal wear listening to this this nice soft music and that's you know the spark that causes this this romantic tension to begin like they could have just been like hanging out and like watching a tv show and got into a play fight and then ended up kissing and be like yep that that makes sense which would have made more sense yeah not just made sense but made more sense yeah but yeah they kiss and it's very like abruptly broken up when they both realize that they're kissing and they scream that it's the clothes, it's the clothes and that they have to get out of the clothes and that that doesn't mean and then they run away. <laughs> I have a lot more to say about this in later episodes, but in this episode, I'm just like, aw, <laughs> little, little teen hormonal bombs. <laughs> All right, from there, we go to, oh my goodness, this scene. <laughs> It is Buffy um, saying that a campaign is like a war. It's won or lost in the trenches. And she has her 
big board set up. <laughs> and <laughs> like she immediately starts out talking about Cordelia's head, and if I had a water in as big as Cordelia's head, I'd be rich. But it's like, um, so y'all are friends now. <laughs> I mean, maybe not besties or anything, but she's kind of part of the group now. And even if she wasn't, like, does she realize she's literally talking to Cordelia's boyfriend? <laughs> like, insul- insulting her and stuff? Mm-hmm. It just, it feels very tone deaf. Yeah. Like, she's doing, like, uh, Buffy, come on. I highly recommend, like, taking time to read the board because there's a lot of fun little Easter eggs in there. But my favorite is underneath Cordelia's weaknesses is listed Brie, which I automatically jump to the conversation in Dead Men's Party that they have about Brie when discussing the different types of parties that exist and how Cordelia hates it. And then my headcanon for this is that Oz was the one to suggest that as a weakness for Cordelia. Because Buffy wasn't part of that conversation. But Oz was the one that suggested that as a weakness for Cordelia. Simply because later in the season, Oz suggests that they attack the mayor with hummus. (laughs) And it's just like, in my headcanon, Oz just decides to like, that's that's hilarious to him. Is the idea of attacking people with different kinds of spreads. (laughs) It's very possible. I could 100% see that. And it might even be a scene that actually existed and then was cut. <laughs> I just like, it's it's such like a gag board thing, but I like to imagine that there was a time where Buffy was like being real serious about that and like writing down weaknesses and she got down so far in Cordelia and was just like, I don't have any other weaknesses. And Oz just like walks up and she's like, put down Brie. She's <laughs> like, Okay. <laughs> I see. And now I'm picturing it in my head. And it's funny. <laughs> then Buffy tells Willow that she needs her to make a database and that um, she needs uh, Xander to make flyers. And Oz is going to do the fringe vote. People who doesn't, don't won't normally vote. And <laughs> what? I just like that that's Oz's job. It's so on the nose. (laughs) And then Cordelia walks in, and we have even more cringe as Buffy immediately goes into, you know, I know it's going to be awkward, but we can do this and still get along and go to the dance in the limo, which is weird because she was literally just insulting Cordelia. Yeah. (laughs) Um. It's just, I don't, it's weird to me. I don't like it. Yeah. Like, um, but then Cordelia is just like, yeah, that's great. Willow, how's that database coming? And Xander, how's my flyers? Mm-hmm. You know? And they all get up and leave with Cordelia, which is also weird. Now, I know Xander and Willow do it because they feel guilty about kissing. And mm-hmm. so they're like, we're going to help Cordelia. But I honestly don't think that they would leave Buffy like that either. Oz goes, because he just says, as Willow goes, so goes my nation. Yeah. Which great. I like. It's a great line. But yeah, like realistically looking at this, you would expect more of a, we're just not going to be involved at all. We're just going to be yeah. completely neutral in all of this because this is madness. Except like Xander. Yeah. Now Xander, Xander would need sense. to go with Cordelia. Yeah. But Willow should definitely have decided to be neutral. Mm-hmm. And Oz is, like, the most neutral person in existence, so. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, he only goes because of Willow. Yeah. (laughs) 
Like, I feel like you, even though I love that line, I feel like you don't even need that line from Oz. You just be like, oh, Willow's over there. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he doesn't have to give an excuse to uh, Buffy. Buffy knows. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then they all leave. And Giles kind of gives a little moral lesson about uh, making sure things stay fun. At which point Buffy breaks <laughs> a glass of Snapple in her hand. <laughs> I know that it's Snapple because it says so in the script. <laughs> Just so you know. Well, it was funny because, like, of random things to note, she had, like, a bottle of orange, I guess, Snapple or some kind of orange liquid when she was finishing up the sparring with Faith. And then she had another one here. And she's like, she's really, she's really enjoying that drink. She must have got a yeah. good deal on, like, a, like a, like a big package of it or something. She's carrying that around everywhere. <laughs> Yeah, that one prop that somebody brought in and they decided to use for both scenes. <laughs> and then we have campaigning montage features our fourth song of the episode, which is a uh, fire escape by Fastball. And yeah, we have in amongst the the back and forth here, uh, we have Buffy dropping flyers and Scott comes up to help. He he kind of comments on her running for for homecoming queen and she was just like oh it's silly and he was just like no no you know you know for for what it's worth you have my vote and buffy kind of starts to like say oh you don't have to and then like says thank you and then he leaves and it's all played really earnest until she pulls the exact same move with another guy who walks by yeah and then she like opens this little book she has a and list she's of names and crosses off scott's name she's like got him right which Completely valid, except it's 1998 and she's a high school senior. <laughs> Why does she have a little notebook where she apparently wrote down the name of every single student at her school? <laughs> like, can't, you can't get a printout or, or something. It's just like you took a lot of time to write down every name yeah. at your school. We've got a... Uh additional montage here and it's just just a bunch of like back and forth of them one-upping each other in a lot of ways but like the one mm -hmm. that really drives me mad in this is like buffy's giving out these chocolate cupcakes they look like really good chocolate cupcakes mm -hmm. like really nice chocolate cupcakes and then cordelia comes behind her and gives out two little like gift baskets that have like pre-packaged sweets and stuff like that now i'm not saying that they would have been like not accepting of those gift baskets. But why would they throw away those cupcakes? I've met teenagers before. If they're enjoying a really yummy chocolate cupcake, they wouldn't throw that away just because they got more candy. <laughs> yes, I agree 100%. And then we have probably my favorite bit of acting from Willow in this episode. Hey. Hi. How are you? You good? You look good. Anything new? Hey, did I mention you look good? Willow, it's okay that you're helping Cordelia. We're best friends. I'm not gonna hold it against you. No, I'm not a friend. I'm a rabid dog who should be shot. But there are forces at work here, dark, incomprehensible forces. And I'm sure they're more important than all we've been through together. Or the number of times that I've saved your life. What do you want? 15 minutes alone on your computer with Cordelia's database. Okay. <laughs> Uh, oh, and then yeah. they move out talking about how Buffy called the limo place and they're going to 
swing by Faith's and then her place. At which point we see that our um, our hitmen are listening to her. Mm-hmm. It says, and then your house, and then, and then she kind of trails off. But we we know that they have heard this. Mm-hmm. The order of pickup. And then we're back in the school lounge, and Buffy is giving Jonathan a cupcake and is saying, I've always felt like there was a special bond between you and me. And he says, Cordelia gave me six bucks. That buys a whole lot of cupcakes. <laughs> but does it really? Does six bucks really buy a lot of cupcakes? Not like a, even in 1998? Yeah, definitely not in today's time. I can't imagine like back then, what, maybe three, four, if you yeah. get a special sell? <laughs> right. Like today, you could easily spend more than six bucks on a single cupcake. Because, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But he's he acting like he can buy like four dozen cupcakes with yeah. that or something. It was like a whole lot be, of cupcakes. He could be swimming in cupcakes, six bucks. <laughs> yeah. I also like yeah, that we, Cordelia's buying votes with six dollars. Yeah. It's a ra- such a random amount. <laughs> just like and then, a uh, random change she had in her pocket. She was just like, here, vote for me. And then we have Cordelia with a group of stereotypical nerd students and She's like, are you kidding? I've been doing the Vulcan death group since I was four. <laughs> and uh, in the script book, the instructions are very clear that she needs to do it wrong. Well, she does. She does very and much then do they it all, wrong. <laughs> yeah, they all show her how to do it right. But then Buffy comes up and Buffy does it right. Oh. Yeah. See, which I don't fits, see. I don't think Buffy could do that. That but, fits you know. my canon that Buffy's just like a secret nerd, like the biggest nerd from like her childhood. <laughs> and then she was just like, "No, I'm going to be the popular girl because that's that's important to me in high school." And then she became the Slayer because remember yeah. she was all about like Power Girl and stuff when she was a little girl. She was big nerd. <laughs> Read comic books all day. She knows. She knows <laughs> the Vulcan death grip. <laughs> but then. Buffy confronts Cordelia about buying votes, and uh, Cordelia's like, so? And then they have words, and like, Cordelia gets serious quick. Like, she says some things that are uh, pretty out there, like talking about Buffy's parents being divorced Mm -hmm. and gone or pathetic and all kinds of stuff. It's kind of... Yeah, which part of me, this is this is reading too much into this, like giving too much credit to this episode. I really feel like it is because I don't feel like they had this particularly figured out at this point. But part of me like wants to give Cordelia the benefit of the doubt in the moment and feel like she's deflecting her own issues with her parents going on right now because we understand like later in the season all of that's revealed but that's that's probably something that Cordelia has been dealing with with for months before it's revealed to us in the show that Mm -hmm. her her dad's you know in all kinds of trouble with the IRS and that her home life's falling apart but like well I mean she's like got money for gift baskets and buying votes right now so probably not yet yeah, but that doesn't necessarily mean that there's not pressure or or Stress. tension yeah. between the 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 parents. And sure. I don't know if we ever establish what happens with Cordelia's parents or if but I can imagine that her home life is probably not 
great at the moment. I don't mm-hmm. think that that's really in this episode, and it's never really revealed later when all of that starts. But, like, part of this feels like that kind of deflection of just, like, you know, I, I'm i so focused on this, even though in so many ways my character has moved beyond. Because I feel like it feels weird for Buffy to backpedal the way she does and become like, I'm going to be the homecoming queen and to be so dramatically not Buffy. But this is also kind of dramatically not really Cordelia anymore. Like this, like Cordelia's kind of moved past this in a lot of respects. And I think part of her leaning into it so heavily might have something to do with other parts of her life falling apart. Possibly, yeah. (laughs) Um, So Cordelia tries to brush past Buffy and Buffy grabs her hand and is like, don't ever do that again. And Cordelia says, you're sick, you know that? Which I kind of think is a weird response. Mm-hmm. But then Xander and Willow arrive. And Xander's like, yeah, let's not say things we'll regret later. At which point they call each other a crazy freak and a vapid whore. Yep. I just wrote that escalated yeah. quickly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is escalated quickly a little before that. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, they're, they're quickly split up and... In this fabulous cut, Willow starts the sentence, this is just, and then ends it, the worst thing that's ever happened while sitting next to uh, Xander in Willow's room. Which seems like a weird place for them to be again. (laughs) Yeah, it's just, yeah. (laughs) Xander's all worried. He's just like, yeah, I know, I know, I know. It's just that when I look at you now, it's like I'm seeing you for the first time. And Willow's like, I'm talking about Buffy and Cordelia. (laughs) Sanders like, oh, uh, me too. Clearly. <laughs> and they talk about uh, trying to figure out what to do to uh, get them talking again and getting along and everything. And then Willow, Willow kind of stops and says, sometimes when you're falling apart, your mouth does the sweetest thing. And then touches his mouth and then they have a moment. And Willow goes, what are we going to do? And Xander's like... We gotta get them communicating. And Willow says, I'm talking about us. Which yeah. I love. Maybe and not spend private moments in your bedrooms together. Maybe that's the Right. Most- Stop being alone. <laughs> being alone in bedrooms. Okay, and now it is prom night. Not prom why do I keep calling it prom? Now it is homecoming night. <laughs> Buffy goes out to get in the limo and opens his door and it's Cordelia. And she's like, what are you doing here? Where's Faith? And Cordelia hands her a note, which is basically from all their friends saying, you got to work it out. We rented this limo. Work it out before you get to homecoming. And P.S. The limo was not cheap. <laughs> so you have to or something like that. So it's funny because they have that little line from Mr. Trick earlier that's kind of talking about Faith's a little bit more elusive, which sure, whatever. And it's kind of an attempt to explain, like, why didn't they realize that it's not Faith in the limo with her, and it's Cordelia instead. So did, like, Mr. Trick just, like, peace out and not monitor any of this first stages? Because he knows Faith. Like, Mr. Trick right. actually knows Faith. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, like, did they wait until the limo picked up Buffy to, like, get rid of the driver and take over? Yeah, I don't know when that switch happened. <laughs> well, obviously, after they picked up Cordelia, otherwise they would have known to go to Faith's apartment. Uh, Yeah, it had to have been in between. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, that would be so funny if, like, just randomly on the way to Buffy's house, 
from Cordelia's house, the limo just stops and, like, the driver gets pulled out and replaced. <laughs> and Cordelia just doesn't notice. <laughs> she probably wouldn't know. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, it would have to be after that because yeah. otherwise... They would have gone the face. Faith would have got picked up. Yeah. Um, oh, that's funny. Anyway, so they note that there's corsages there and Cordelia says that she took the orchid and we kind of cut away to show that it's one of the hitmen driving the limo and then we cut back to them later on after they've been driving for a while, continuing to argue about the corsages and which one Cordelia should get the took. orchid. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, more, more mean comments back and forth and then... The car stops, and Buffy's like, Ah, oh, good, we're finally here. And they step out after they hear the, like, driver kind of just run off. <laughs> and, yeah, you cut outside to them looking around, realizing they're in the middle of the woods. And then Buffy notices that there's a whole little setup there with a TV. And she's like, well, this is, this is wrong. And a VCR. Yeah. With a, a, a VHS tape. Because mm -hmm. those work in the woods. Yeah. Yeah. You just run a really long extension cord. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> so she pushes it in to play it. Hello, ladies. Welcome to Slayer Fest 98. What is a Slayer Fest, you ask? Well, as in most of life, there's the hunters and the hunted. Can you guess where you two fall? From the beginning of this tape, you have exactly 30 seconds. No, that's 17 now to run for your lives. Faith, Buffy, have a nice death. Hello, how stupid are you people? She's a slayer, I'm a homecoming queen. And you know, then a bullet hits the TV. <laughs> I do appreciate the flair, like, and that everybody's committed to this. Like, they mm -hmm. have to have this whole setup. They have to take him out to the woods. You know, one of the people that's, like, in it for the money is driving this vehicle, and they're entirely unsuspecting. Like, he could have just planted a bomb and just been done with this, like, immediately. <laughs> right? But, but apparently like, he wanted no. it to be a fair contest. No. yeah, it's a competition. You gotta wait till they're in the woods, they watch the video, and the timer officially starts. <laughs> Which he could have been, like, standing there waiting to mow them down once that happened, but he didn't. <laughs> So then we cut to, we are at the bronze at night, which is, I guess, where the homecoming dance is. And Oz's <laughs> band is playing. All school dances are held at the bronze. <laughs> which serves alcohol, because that's a place where a high school dance should be. <laughs> so in this scene, uh, you have our, our fifth and final song. This is um, Four Star Mary's She Knows. And it's interesting, because... Faith walks up and kind of talks about them being mopey, Xander and Willow. And uh, Xander's like, oh, yeah, we're grooming. Oz, Oz is bad. He's a great guy. Oz, we're not mopey. And then Willow's like, yeah, he wrote this song for me. And I kid you not, one of the lyrics from this song is, I'd walk through a thousand fires and next to me she'd be. <laughs> so, okay. So Willow's feeling all kinds of guilty right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Faith. See Scott, and it's like, that sleaze bag. <laughs> and then Giles comes up and 
He's all panicky. We've got to find Buffy. Something terrible's happened. And they all look at him and he goes, just kidding. And I have in my notes, actually, because, <laughs> you know, something terrible is happening. I just, just like that Willow and Xander have literally no reaction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it was like, something terrible happened. And they're just kind of like, uh. <laughs> yeah. Um, then we're back in the woods and Cordelia and Buffy are running and Buffy says, we got to get off this path. And Cordelia says, wait, but let's talk to them and tell them I'm not a slayer and they'll let me go. <laughs> and I was just like, seriously, though, would you go? Would you actually go if that were to happen and just leave Buffy? Even if they just let yeah, you. Yeah. Even you know. if that plan that is highly, highly unlikely to work actually worked, would would you be that much of, of a jerk? Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. like, you can deal with all of the people trying to assassinate you, and I can just go be pro like homecoming queen. I almost did it myself. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> and she'd probably forget to tell Giles that. <laughs> <laughs> she that gets it distracted was on the way. Two guys that she's like, oh, wait, wait. I know voting's over, but hey. <laughs> so, yeah, as they're, as they're making their way through the woods uh buffy almost steps onto a bear trap which cordelia spots and says look out and uh buffy uh pulls her foot out just in time and then yells get down and they get down and uh jungle bob is that his name i have that in my notes that that's his name the like uh. i think they call him that at one point <laughs> i think like towards the end she's just like jungle bob said such and such yeah, in the script, his name is Frawley. Yeah, Buffy calls him Jungle Bob, though. So I refer to him as a Jungle Bob. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, Jungle Bob's there. He he takes uh, aim. They duck down. Buffy hits him with the bear trap, which knocks him back into another bear trap that snaps down on his leg. And then Buffy grabs the gun and threatens him to tell them everything that's going on and who's all out here. At which point he does... And then tells her that there's also uh, the two German people are um, wired to their boss who is tracking them on a computer. Mm-hmm. And he says, now get me out of this trap. And Buffy's like, yeah, no. And they uh, they take off running again, right, as Kulak, the spiny-headed demon, <laughs> um, kind of throws his blades toward Buffy. And it hits a tree. So they take off running. And then we're back at the bronze where Scott is dancing with someone. And it, it actually says Scott dances with an extra. An extra. Nice. Yeah. And then Faith comes up and uh, basically, hey, Scott, honey, good thing the doctor said the itching and the swelling and the burning should clear up. Which I love. And you, you got to appreciate this absolute loyalty right here. Mm-hmm. Like... She doesn't care what happened. She doesn't care if Buffy was in the wrong, if Buffy had been ignoring him or anything. She's just like, yeah, you don't do that to Buffy. <laughs> and yeah, which that absolute loyalty is going to go away soon. But yeah, <laughs> it's just it is and then, again another one of those things that I feel like I will say I feel like they really needed to spend a little bit more time building the Faith Buffy relationship before Faith turns. I, th I think so, too. And I think, like, this feels like another one of those, like, 
the loyalty that Faith shows in this, like that absolute loyalty, like I appreciate it. But again, just like the angel being as recovered as he is and Scott just being over his two best friends being dead. It seems like there was a big time leap that we just didn't see all this development happen. I agree. I appreciate the fact that during this in the background, you kind of see Giles just just vibing with some finger foods. <laughs> yeah. And then he kind of makes a very dad joke about the finger sandwiches. Oh, man. It's such a dad <laughs> joke. I was just like that and the weird like, oh, Buffy and Cordelia are in horrible danger. Early. I was just like, what is Charles is in like, he's a, he's he's feeling himself tonight. He's Yeah, he's in a good place. mood. He's, he's, yeah. <laughs> but then he says, I think I'll retreat to the library until the coronation. I want to be here when Buffy, well, however it turns out. Mm-hmm. And I love that. This is such a dad thing. Like, yeah, even if she doesn't get it, yeah. I'm going to be here for her. And I'm like, oh, Giles, yay. Yeah, um, it's funny that you mentioned that because, like, I'm just now, like, realizing I've watched this episode a couple of times in the last few weeks. And I just now realized I was like, huh, Joyce isn't in this episode. Oh, no, she's not. <laughs> But there's several episodes she's not in, I Yeah. Think. Well, like, it's just kind of funny because it's a whole lot of, like, Buffy reconciling things about her past and who she is now. And it feels like there could have been, like, a heart-to-heart with Joyce at some point in that. There's a lot. There, I'll, I'll get to talk a, a lot about, like, the stuff that could have been in this episode when we get a little further on. But let's continue down this path, shall we? Yeah. So now Buffy and Cordelia have found a deserted cabin in the woods. And uh, decide they go in and they're going to look for weapons. And Cordelia's like, I'm not safe. I'm going to die. And Buffy says, you are if you just stand there. And then they both kind of rant about how they're feeling. Cordelia is just like, I'm never going to be homecoming queen. And kind of admits that she's in love with Xander and will never get to tell him. And then Buffy's like, yeah, you will. We're going to get out of here. We're going to go to the library. We're going to take these guys out. And then I'm going to be homecoming queen. And Cordelia's like, I know what you're up to. You think if you get me mad enough, I won't be so scared. And hey, it's working. Where's a damn weapon? And then starts looking for a weapon. <laughs> Buffy then asks Cordelia, do you really love Xander? And I was like, oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Cordelia's like, yeah, he, I do. He kind of grows on you. Like a chia pet. And I just yes. I love that. Yes. <laughs> Also kind of also kind of dates the episode, but uh, you know it's precious. <laughs> yeah. And so, like in Cordelia's attempt to find a weapon, she returns with a spatula, and and Buffy's like, "That's it." And Cordelia's like, "Just this in a telephone." And Buffy looks at her like she's the biggest dummy for not realizing that a telephone would be helpful. But I'm just like, okay, this is clearly like a rundown, abandoned cabin in the middle of the woods. Why would you suspect that that would be a working telephone anyway? Which it, <laughs> it is. is. But still, like, common sense would say that that would not be working. So I I, I still, like, I think a spatula is a good choice. <laughs> yeah. But um, then we go to the old man's mansion. And uh, Mr. Trick is walking by eating popcorn, which is kind of a... Yeah, like I, I guess noted they forgot that. he's a vampire. Like I noted that because like that's a like one of the the kind of goofy things about Spike is that he eats food a lot, but like 
when I was watching this, I was just like, Mr. Trick kind of has a little bit of Spike vibes to him, though. And I kind of like that they mm-hmm. share that trait, that they like to eat snacks, that they're snacky vampires, even though that's not something vampires typically want to do, is to snack on regular food. It just kind of cracks me up that that's... And, like, that, that makes me flashback. It's like, well, maybe he really, like, just wanted a Diet Coke that one time and then decided to eat the drive through kit. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, I like Diet Coke. It's good. <laughs> and the old man says, you're about to see why all these other people are creatures of the past and I'm the future. And then he says, I'm picking up a signal. They've got a phone. <laughs> and I'm like, really? <laughs> the future. <laughs> Did, did did you really, I mean, it's it's not like it's a cell phone, <laughs> which existed in 1998 because I was a freshman in college and I had one. It was a, it was huge and weighed like 10 pounds, but I had one. But like, can you pick up a, a signal from a, a regular phone like that? Like, I don't even know if that's a thing that can happen. I, I don't know. I know very little about phone technology believe it or not um but yeah it's just the whole like science aspect of this particular crew is just so fun like all of their stuff when you look at it is just so hilarious like all of the little images that they show you on the screen just like None of that's helpful. It's just like literally like just a giant green blob with two red dots. It's like, how is that (laughs) helpful at all? Yeah. So, okay. Then we go back to Buffy and Cordelia in the cabin and they're leaving a message for Giles. Basically saying they're in Miller's Woods, which I don't know how they know they're in Miller's Woods, but apparently there was a sign. Buffy's very familiar with all the woods. She's patrolled them all so much that she recognizes the trees at this point. That's actually a good point. It's probably <laughs> I like true. guys like that's I, I think that's actually a good excuse. <laughs> yeah. Um and then the phone goes dead and we go to another part of the woods and we have Kulak, who is our spotty headed demon. Mm-hmm. And he is walking past where Frawley, who's Jungle Bob. Jungle Bob. It's Still in his trap, and he goes, want me to cut that leg off for you? And Frawley's like, no. And so he just keeps going. It's a lovely exchange. um, I love it. (laughs) Yeah. Then we have Giles in the library, and he goes to play his message, and he hears the first part of the message, and then we're back into the woods, and our two German... Hitmen are approaching with a grenade launcher. And we cut to the man in, the old man in the mansion saying that they're both in range and some weird northeast grid A as in Apple Dash E. <laughs> I'm like, okay. I don't remember any of uh, that, man. The, yeah. the technical speak. Oh, man, he's in the future. <laughs> yeah. And then we go back to Cordelia and Buffy talking. And then they kind of get into an argument about homecoming queen and how they both wanted it and why it's both valid a valid want for them and mm-hmm. you know Buffy's like this is all I do I you know I want to be a homecoming queen I don't want to always be monsters and yeah and I feel like this is this is the moment where I really wish that they had done something more here because with the relationship yeah ultimately like 
you get through this episode and you kind of feel like, what's the point, right? Like, there, yeah. nothing's really done to develop Buffy and Cordelia's relationship here. And I think that this, if they had gone that route, which I, I feel like they could have, they could have alluded to Cordelia saying some stuff like, yeah, well, my home life's not that great right now. And kind of opening up about maybe her dad might be in some trouble and they're fighting a lot and have that camaraderie because Buffy's experienced that with her own parents and then have Mm -hmm. Cordelia be like, but don't tell anybody like I don't want like I don't need this out there or something like that. And Buffy respecting that and having that be a little bit of building up a relationship between the two of them that came from this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, of them both talking about why they wanted to be homecoming queen was Buffy wanted to get away from being the Slayer a little bit and Cordelia wanted to get away from something. Like, I mean, the home life just kind of makes sense because we know the timeline that later in the season they they lose everything and there is probably already tension there that that could be mm-hmm. a possibility and that the, she could be filling that and be like, this might be my last hurrah. Like, we may be losing all of our money, and my dad may be going to jail, and I don't know what's going to happen, you know? Um, yeah. And she could be just, like, desperately, like, this is my last chance to be homecoming queen and, and to have this, you know? Well, I mean, they're seniors, so yeah. it's everybody's last chance. Yeah, but it's also, like, you know, we don't have this whole arc for Cordelia come prom time because she's just trying to get enough money to get address like she probably is already somewhat aware that this might be her last chance to do anything of this sort even though obviously there would be other awards and other popularity aspects to senior year that she could enjoy but she Mm -hmm. may be like everything's about to you know hit the fan and I think that that could have been a nice it could have made this moment worth it and could have been a bonding experience that could have led to again another reason why Cordelia is still kind of involved the rest of the season after her and Xander split because she's kind yeah. of she's kind of shoehorned in for the rest of the season and I think having a moment like more than anything I really wanted a Buffy Cordelia relationship that really had some mutual respect and understanding because their characters are so similar in so many ways and have that uh, moment in this episode leading to the fracturing of the Scoobies a little bit would kind of make sense and kind of even give Buffy a little bit more reason to be torn because she had a bonding experience with Cordelia in this episode and really they grew a little bit closer and then to have them all kind of fractured right after this would have would have allowed for some more understandable like emotion-based drama instead of just you know Cordelia hanging around because she's still a main cast member because I feel mm-hmm. like there's certainly a point where it doesn't make a lot of sense for Cordelia to still be hanging around with these people. Well, she kind of gets like pulled in. Yeah, and I don't remember exactly like how it's all played out because, like I said, it's been a while since I've seen season three. But like, I just I want I want so badly for the Buffy and Cordelia relationship to have been more than it ultimately was. And this is the episode that we finally get since Out of Mind, Out of Sight, where we really start reflecting on Buffy and Cordelia again. Like, we had, like, maybe a little bit in the uh, Reptile Boy, but not enough. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. they haven't really done anything with this relationship. And it's so weird because Cordelia is designed to be a version of Buffy. Like, she's Buffy without the Slayer destiny is kind of the idea of Cordelia. She's who Buffy would have been had she not been chosen. 
and to have so little time for those two characters to develop a relationship and to dwell on that is, is kind of weird to me. And they had a perfect opportunity here and they missed it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it seems like one of those things that might have been in and they cut for time. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. It's just like at when you get to the end of this episode, there's just a certain amount of me just going like, what was the ultimate like point of this mm-hmm. Buffy Cordelia centric episode? Because I don't really think it changes their relationship. Like you could skip this episode that's mm-hmm. focused on those two characters. You could skip this episode and not feel like anything's changed between Buffy and Cordelia. And that's the misstep that I'm feeling like. I feel like there, sh- there should have been something here that would have developed that relationship, even just the slightest more to where mm-hmm. their relationship would have been slightly different for the rest of season three. Instead, we get just a little bit of a pause. And then Buffy says, besides, I look cute in a tiara. And Cordelia laughs. And that's their, that's their, that's their heart to heart that we actually get. And then she says, do you hear? And... Kulak crashes through the window and epic fight of Buffy and Kulak while Cordelia's trying to help. Uh. <laughs> um, and then we see the old man in the, the mansion says launch and they fire the grenade launcher and it bursts through and lands between Buffy and Kulak, the spiny demon. They both look down and then both turn away from each other to jump out, to to get away. And Buffy grabs Cordelia, and they crash out of a curtained window. And then Kula Lock tries to do the same thing on the opposite side, but it's a shuttered window, (laughs) and he just bounces off and looks down at the grenade as everything explodes. (laughs) Then Buffy's like, we got to get to the library, and they take off running. And then we cut to the library, where we have uh, Gorch and his new bride, Candy, and they are talking about, are they playing with the weapons in the library and talking about wanting to do Buffy? And uh, they say, well, they talk about when she'll get there, and Gorch is like, well, he's her watcher, so she'll come soon. And we see Giles unconscious on the floor. He was having such a nice night, too. Yeah, he was. (laughs) Um, and then they start making out over an unconscious Giles. So. <laughs> I mean, we've also watched like Buffy and Angel make out over a guy that they just killed after the Order of Taraka attack. So like, it's, there's a precedent for that. Making out yeah, over unconscious true. or dead bodies is just kind of standard fare for the Buffyverse. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we. Uh, Cut back to uh, the 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 uh, old man, the boss guy, tracking Buffy and Cordelia on his computer, saying that they're headed west back to town. And uh, Trick gives them props, um, saying that, you know, they got away and that they've got character. And there's a knock at the door, and Trick goes to answer it, and is immediately grabbed and dragged out of the house and Trick's just like, yeah, excuse me, anybody got a warrant here? As these two officers drag this black man out of his house. <laughs> I mean, I realize he's a yeah. vampire, but damn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> damn. <laughs> Woof. <laughs> that hits different in 2021. <laughs> it really does. 
Okay, um... And then we cut to the school. Buffy's kind of talking about who's been taken out and who they still have left to fight. And Cordelia has this lovely comment of like, those animals hunting us down like poor defenseless, well, animals. Animals, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they enter the library and Candy grabs Buffy and they have a quick like back and forth sparring and Cordelia tosses the spatula, the sacred, wonderful, ama- amazing spatula to to them, uh, and Buffy grabs it and manages to uh, stake Candy with the spatula as she is kicked back into a bookcase and knocked out herself. Um, mm-hmm. It's great. <laughs> I just love that reveal of just her looking down at a spatula sticking out of her chest. <laughs> and Lyle is not happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not happy at all. Uh, Which can you blame me? Yeah, he's had a hard. This is a tough break. He lost his brother, now his wife. He just, he just needs to never come back to Sunnydale, which he doesn't. So I guess he figured that out. Um, so he starts to like uh, walk up, real threatening. I'm gonna kill both of you slayers for this. And Cordelia steps in front of him. You hear me? I hear you, you redneck moron. You got a dress that goes with that hat? Rip out my innards, play with my eyeballs, boil my brain and eat it for brunch? Listen up, needle brain. Buffy and I have taken out four of your cronies, not to mention your girlfriend. Wife! Whatever. The point is, I haven't even broken a sweat. See, in the end, Buffy's just the runner-up. I'm the queen. You get me mad? What do you think I'm going to do to you? And they and, have a uh, little stare down, and then Cordelia just kind of raises her eyebrow, and then mm-hmm. Lyle, Lyle laters out. <laughs> Next is Buffy, um, yeah, okay. and talking yeah. about like how Cordelia did good, basically. And how they spent some quality death time together. And then Cordelia says, and we got these free corsages, and Giles says... I don't recall them saying anything about corsages. And Buffy's like, no. As though that's something that, like, would have had to have been said. (laughs) But Buffy goes, Jungle Bob said the Germans were hooked into a computer system. (laughs) And then looks into the corsages and realizes they're microchips and they're being traced. Mm. Mm -hmm. And then Buffy says, I need some wet toilet paper. And Cordelia says, oh, yeah, that'll help. And I'm like, really? Like, you don't have faith in Buffy yet? <laughs> like, really? So then we see the two fair, Germans. It is an odd request. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, like, it's such an odd request that you have to figure there's a reason she's asking for yeah. it. You know? Um, so, yeah. Then we have this scene that's super weird. Like, you have the two... The two Germans tr- tracking Buffy and uh, getting, you know, coordinates and such from their boss the entire time as Buffy's kind of running around. And then she, like, gets between them, sort of, while they're given, like, very specific, like, degrees of measurement to to pinpoint her. And then she... Like, literally, like, spit bombs them. Um, (laughs) Pretty much. But it's like, I still struggle with, like, 
Because, like, the measurements were given before, so they have this moment of adjustment, and it's just, like, all... It's so very calculated <laughs> up until the point that the spit bomb actually hits one of the one of the hitmen, and then they're just like, fire, fire, fire! <laughs> yeah, I, I noticed that, too. I'm like... Okay, that was that was very sudden. Um, it's like the second the the target is no longer Buffy, then they're all business. <laughs> yeah, and and that that is a lot of gunshots, like a lot of gunshots. It's kind of weird that nobody else in the entire school heard them. Yeah, well, I'm just like, did did they take some time to try to clean that up, or did they just? leave that like they couldn't there's no way they could have like patched all those bullet holes so no matter what there's gonna be signs of a shooting at school that happened overnight (laughs) on the night of the homecoming dance you know (laughs) well here's the thing we're having the dance at the bronze yeah yet giles said he was going to go back to the library until the coronation um i mean is the bronze like across town from the library i don't know but i don't they're not right next to each other right but we do know that the bronze is in the bad side of town which is like a quarter mile from the good side of town or whatever cordelia says in the first episode so yeah <laughs> i don't know um, what part of town sunnydale high is in. <laughs> we have a quick cut to the boss snapping his fingers and triumphantly shouting that he won and then from there, we cut to City Hall. So we have the police officers uh, escort uh, Trick into the mayor's office. And uh, Wilkins is just like, hello, nice to meet you. Just like his normal chipper self. Uh, mm-hmm. Trick ig- ignores the handshake and just continues to be fabulous in all of the wonderful ways that he's fabulous. Um, these two, God, I'm so sad that they got rid of Trick as early as they did. Because, man. <laughs> so here's here's the thing that occurred to me. Because this, this scene really spells it out, right? Because you have the mayor of Sunnydale, right? Like, quote-unquote, the one of the most powerful, if not the most powerful man in in the town, right? That's kind of the the idea of the... And he is, you know... It's kind of built into his character that he's got a certain aspect of of white privilege, right? Because he he, he definitely has that air of, this is is my town, I've been here forever, you know? And Mm -hmm. earlier he talks about, like, cleanliness is next to godliness and he kind of has a lot of those stereotypical traits that we we put with with someone who's come from a lot of privilege and a lot of uh tradition tradition yeah and it's just very much built into that character and then Mm -hmm. you have mr trick as like the counterweight who says in this scene that if this is the part where you tell me that i don't fit in here in your quiet little neighborhood, you can just skip it because that got old long before I became a vampire. And I'm just like, damn. <laughs> yeah. I wish they'd had more interactions too. Yeah. And like, that's, that, uh, that's an interesting, like, this is like a moment of awareness that I never really expect from Buffy of like, this is, this is a man who's oozing with, with white privilege. And then, Mr. Trick just doesn't care. (laughs) 
he's just oh like, no he he's is just like, like nope. oh and like mr Tr- he's such a great character and it just it it just it breaks my heart that they did away with him as early as they did because he's so good and they used to play off each other really well but they kind of talk about slayer fest and how it was an enterprising idea and the uh male mayor kind of says you know i want that i want that on my team and Mr. Trick's like, what if I don't want to be a part of the team? And Mayor Wilkins is just like, oh, no, that won't be an issue. And, yeah, they just... Yeah, he's like, oh, well, I have a job kinda, now. <laughs> kind of have a little stare, and then the <laughs> the mayor offers him a moist toilet. <laughs> yeah. And then we're back at homecoming, and David is about to announce the prom queen... Why do I keep saying prom? <laughs> okay, so then we're back at homecoming, and Devin's about to announce the homecoming queen, which I, this dance is kind of a little odd because most homecoming celebrations and stuff have like a big game, like a big sports game mm-hmm. with them. Or is that just a Southern thing? I don't Maybe, know. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know um, anything about public school at all. <laughs> well, um, I think they usually have a big sports game attached yeah. to them. Yeah, uh, that's definitely a thing. The thing I don't know if that's like region specific or anything, but like that's definitely well, a thing uh, that's associated with with homecoming around here. My high school was so small that like we didn't really have sports teams because there weren't enough kids. But I think like from TV and stuff, I, that's how it goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Willow's like, they're going to announce the queen. Where are they? And Oz says, I'm going to go with mud wrestling as they walk in kind of trashed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, all messed up. Sanders line of, oh, God, what did you do to each other? Yeah. <laughs> and then we have another one of those. Buffy says, long story. And Cordelia says, got hunting. And Buffy's like, I guess not that long. Yeah. Which is kind of a thing Buffy says long story a lot and then somebody condenses it for her yeah <laughs> that's a kind of a thing Devin goes to announce homecoming queen and he goes we have a first for the first time in sunnydale high history we have a tie <laughs> and you know of course we assume that it's buffy and cordelia and then he announces it, it announces it and it's the other two girls <laughs> <laughs> which i love that ending <laughs> that it, it wasn't them Holly and Michelle go up there and they start giving their speech. And we see Buffy and Cordelia just both kind of turn around and walk out, mm-hmm. which I love. My favorite is like at the very end when one of them is like, I promised myself I'm not going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> they really leaned in heavily on like the like stereotypical teen tropes that were going on and like a bunch of the popular teen movies in this one like the and even like the reveal at the end where it sets it up or it's just like oh it's a tie and you think oh it's that trope where they're both gonna win but it's not actually it's kind of trying to flip that a little bit but yeah it's it's kind of it's one of it's one of the most 90s episodes of Buffy <laughs> And I love yeah. that they actually have Slayer Fest 98, like, proudly proclaimed in one of the most 90 epi- 90s episodes. Because after season one, the show just doesn't, f- like, there's times where you can really feel that it's aged. 
Um, and especially, like, political commentary-wise, there's a lot of things. But as far as just, like, storytelling, there's there's a lot about the show that's kind of timeless. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not one of those episodes. This episode I watched is like, oh, yeah, this is from the 90s. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. It's oozing with 90s. <laughs> Yeah, the further the further the show goes, um, the less dated it seems. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you watch it today, because it ended in what two thousand seven? No, earlier no. than that, two thousand three, I think. Was it three? Yep. Because I it, okay, it ended. Here's yeah. here's a fun fact. The finale, that's eighteen years ago. The finale, the final episode of Buffy, which I got to watch live with my wee little like fangirl eyes um aired two days before my 13th birthday so that like message of every every girl who who can be the chosen one will be the chosen one and i was almost 13 years old like i'm gonna be the chosen one dang it oh wow i was like i had already been out of college for two years in 2003 (laughs) oh yeah oh man yeah, Buffy gets less and less dated as as the show progresses for sure. But even at this point I feel like there's there's a lot even in season two I feel like there's a lot where it doesn't really you don't notice the age of the show as much. But every now and again you get episodes yeah. like this and you're like, Ah, yeah, there's there's yeah. that. There's a there's a couple of episodes that are very like uh the the Moloch episode in season one is very dated. <laughs> Um, and any of the episodes where there were computer discs. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime they lean into, like, the, the science side of Buffy, it's kind of, like, all over the place. Because it's, it's somehow dated, but also way advanced all at the same time. <laughs> yeah. All the equipment and the stuff that they use is dated. But the things they are doing, doing. are, like, way advanced because they're not really things that exist. <laughs> But anyway, yeah. Well, that I, was homecoming. Yeah, I feel like it's it's kind of a, a mediocre episode for me. Like I, yeah, it's not one of the greats. I I like some of the subtlety in the introduction of the mayor of just being he's just here now. I really kind of mm-hmm. like that decision because because he's been you know foreshadowed for so long and to just have him be here and just be like kind of a non-assuming guy that if you really hadn't been paying that much attention to how much he'd been foreshadowed you'd be like oh i guess this is just like a one-off character that they've started to introduce or something like it's not that important and then he sees the big bad of the season you know um yeah so i like that subtlety i don't i don't really care for the buffy stuff in this episode i think they pulled back on her too hard to try to make her just as toxic as as she could be and then same mm-hmm. with Cordelia like even though Cordelia leans that way more than Buffy does at this point I think Cordelia's moved enough beyond that and like you said there's some stuff that's really really harsh like not like not just like mean words said to each other but like hits at the core of like family and domestic issues and things like that and like the only way that I can headcanon it to kind of make it better in my mind is that Cordelia is just coping with that kind of stuff at her own house which fits timeline wise but is not actually in the text of the episode so you can't really support that too much um mm-hmm. and then you have the the xander and willow angst yeah i love some xander and willow angst <laughs> 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 it's it's setting up a bunch of stuff 
But, like, the episode itself doesn't really do a whole lot. Does that make sense? Like, it Mm -hmm. starts to set up the mayor. It starts to set up this weird uh, fracturing of the Scoobies through this affair. And then it um, just is an episode that's kind of just a one-off shenanigans between Buffy and Cordelia that doesn't really do enough to develop any kind of relationship there. So, yeah, that's unfortunate in my eyes. (laughs) Well, next time we have band candy mm-hmm. which is one of my favorites it's a big big fan favorite i'm interested yeah it's see. just fun yeah i'm interested to see what it's like with a critical eye i like uh, yeah. it's one of those episodes that i just i enjoy watching but i've never really dissected um so it'll be interesting to watch it with a critical eye but man it's it's a fun episode mm-hmm and Joyce is definitely in it. Oh yeah, Joyce is Joyce is <laughs> in it, and someone's in her. Oops. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I might have to up the rating of this podcast now. <laughs> uh. <laughs> but yeah, we'll be back in a couple weeks' time with Band Candy, and we thank you all so much for listening. I'm just gonna end the episode. <laughs> After that, I'm just like, cut it, cut it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening. And this is where we say bye. Bye. <laughs>